Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah chapter number 8. Nehemiah chapter number 8. Last week we were in Haggai, today we were in Nehemiah, and we're continuing on in our series called A Great Work, um, where we've been talking about the local church and how God um, has this idea of the local church being a significant part to carry out his eternal purposes on the earth, and, um, and how he, he desires that the church would be a place um, of corporate worship as we gather on a Sunday, also a place where we go out and we preach the gospel and we reach the world, and also that our um, house, our local church, would be a community that would exist to be a place of refuge. Now, what I mean by that is a place where people can come and find security, they can find safety, they can find love, they can find healing, um, they can find freedom, they can find Jesus, really, because ultimately he's the the main thing. And that's what um, we believe that we are looking at and wanting God to move into our community in such a way that we are open to Jesus being a part of everything that we do so that as he comes, then we begin to grow and we begin to be transformed into what he sees us to be, what he wants us to be. And um, then we just get to experience the abundant life that, that the Lord has for us as well. And so we've been focusing on this thing called the great work and how every single one of us has been graced and been called to be a part of a local church to be a part of a local community that passionately prioritizes people. That's the number one thing, right? To, to passionately prioritize people, and then we prioritize the house of God. Now, part of the people are the people of God. But also there are people who come to the local church or outside the local church that are not a part of the kingdom of God. But guess what? We are still to be prioritizing people in such a way that we're loving them. Even if they are maybe a thorn in the flesh, we are still loving them because we are passionately pursuing Jesus. Because isn't that what Jesus did? Right? You know, WWJD, that's what Jesus would do or whatever it was, okay? But, but that's the thing. And, and the, one of the things we have to realize is the fact is this is kind of countercultural especially in a society, a live-for-you society. You do you. Don't worry about anybody else. You just do you. You're good. Live the way you want to live. Do the things you want to do. But see, that's so countercultural when we begin to say, no, I am going to passionately pursue people. Not in a creepy way. You're not going to show up their door, you know, and hey, you know, whatever. But it's very much just, hey, how are you today? What, what's going on? It, you know, is there anything I can pray for? Anything that, that, you know, that's happening? And so um, I can't get into all kind of the back story of the last couple of weeks or whatever. And so if you, if you want to, go listen to the podcast. But this morning we're going to start kind of a, um, a, a part two to this um, series where part one kind of focused on us um, moving and taking action, being engaged, being involved in our local community. Um, because we all have a part to play. Well, part two is going to have some focus, uh, a little bit of different focus 
But it's something even more important than, than, than just kind of moving because it's tied to it. But it's actually about spiritual reform and renewal that was going on in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. And these, right, these two books are not just about, we talked about the rebuilding of the wall, the rebuilding of the temple, all of those things. But this is something more um, spiritual going on. And so we wanted to be able to take a look at that and focus on that because we believe that God is um, encouraging us to renew or to re-engage our relationship with him in, in, in a different way. Now, you might say, well, man, I've already got a great relationship with him. Okay, but that means you can go deeper with him. There, there is no like depth that you can't go with God. There's no like limit. Oh, hit the bottom floor. Sorry. Can't go any farther with God. No, it is deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper that you can go. Now, some of us might say, well, okay, all right, man, so maybe I am, I'll think of it as a pool, I guess, maybe. Well, I'm maybe in the three feet region right now, Pastor Scott. I kind of know who God is. I don't really have a a great connection with him, but I know who he is. And, you know, okay, well, that's great too. You can go deeper. Maybe you're right at the tip and, you know, putting your foot in in the water of a relationship with God. Well, guess what? You can go deeper. All of us can go deeper no matter where we are at. And so we're going to look at this kind of um, in the next couple weeks. Uh, I know it's not your typical Christmas message, but uh, we felt like this is where we were going. And so um, before we start, let me just kind of give you my definitions of spiritual reform and spiritual renewal. So spiritual reform is being reawakened to a fresh stirring of getting back to things that have been um, deviated from spiritually. Okay, so we're going to see here in Nehemiah and in Ezra, the fact that was that the people kind of had gotten away from God in some sense. They've gotten away from him, and not only that, they got away from the Bible. And so when we talk about reform, it's kind of one of those things where God's kind of just stirring us or trying to get us to understand that, you know what, we need to take a look at our lives and be able to say, okay, what are some things that we have kind of let slip in our lives that, that are not helping us or, 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 or we're not growing the way we should because we've, we've slipped down this kind of slope where we've gotten kind of um, maybe stagnant or, or lazy or just kind of um, have this apathy regarding um, certain things of the Word of God or, or just our relationship with Him. And so here he is, he's saying, hey, no, no, it's time to kind of reevaluate, kind of re, re, reassess, and then maybe, you know, jump back into that. Okay, so you kind of get what reform is, where maybe we've left something slip, but now it's time to get back to it, okay? And then spiritual renewal is God changing us and doing a new, a new thing in us that's transforming us. Most people today probably call it revival, where God shows up and, man, all of a sudden, man, our lives are beginning to be transformed. We're, we're, we're having this relationship with him. It's just, man, we're catching on fire. Things are just, you know, God's just doing some things within our life. And, and here's the deal. I honestly believe that God wants both of these things to happen in our lives. He wants us to look at it and say, okay, what do I need to renew? What do I need to be able to look at and say, okay, where have I, have I kind of slipped spiritually in my walk with Jesus? But then at the same time, as we start to engage that, I believe then that the Lord wants to come in and begin to light a new fire within us that begins to transform us in such a way that we're walking hand in hand, walking every step of our way in our direction with the Lord, because that's what his heart is. 
He doesn't want us walking separately or sololy or, or just kind of doing our own thing. He really does. This is his heart. This is his passion. He really wants you to walk with him. He really wants you to just have a relationship with him every single day. Getting up in the morning, man, Jesus, how are you today, right? You can't see him, but you know by faith in your heart, and, 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 and you believe with all your heart, he's there. He said, I would never leave you nor forsake you. And, and then he said, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. See, we can start the engagement the minute we get up from our beds and say, man, it's going to be a great day because I'm going to walk with you. I don't know, a couple, a, couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that scripture about when you know, Peter said, no, go, Lord, you're not going to die that way. And he said, hey, Peter, you're being mindful of the things of man, not of the things of God. And sometimes I just know that we can get up right in early in the morning when we get up to get ready for work and get ready for school and get ready for all those things. Our first thoughts are always like the weight of the day. Those things, oh my gosh, I got all this, I got this, I got this, I got this. What would happen if we made that the first, the, we made the first thing Good morning, God. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being a part of my life. Thank you for walking with me today. I'm mindful of the things of God, not the mind thing, mindful of the things of man. And I, I just want you to walk with me. But I believe that's what he wants to do. He wants to just start something fresh and new within us in this reform and then also in this renewal. And so, as we talked about, not only do we need to take action, but we also need to let God do a deep work within us. Amen? Yeah, it's so key. So that brings us to Nehemiah chapter 8, which um, is centered around the people of God and really the Bible as well. And if you think about it, the people at that time didn't have a Bible. They don't have what we have, right? We, we, we have Bibles that we can take with us wherever. We have Bibles on our phone. Um, you know, we've got the Sky Bible up on the TVs, whatever you want to call it. Um, we've got all this technology or all these things that we can, um, you know, carry with us. But back then, they didn't have a portable Bible, right? They always had to have someone, the, the, the priest would, would pull out the scroll and would have to read from the scroll. And so anytime you wanted to hear God's word, you had to go find them. You had to check it out. You couldn't just, you know, hey, pick up your Bible, grab it, and go and, and do what you want to do. And so the thing about it is, is, yes, we have it portable. We can take it anywhere we want. But I would say majority is that um, a lot of people are not people of the Bible. They're not people of the Bible. I, I have a Bible. It's right here. I remember going to a friend's house when I was a kid, and I don't know if you guys, uh, maybe you've seen this before, but on their um, coffee table was the biggest Bible I have ever seen in my life, right? And I mean, it was like that thick, but you know what it had on it? Dust. Never opened. It was just kind of a, hey, look, we got a Bible. And a lot of times, you know, we... People just say, hey, I got a Bible, but I'm not a person of the Bible. And that's where, you know, we've got to understand that in, in our culture, and I'm not saying it's any of you, but in our culture, man, our culture is really biblically illiterate 
when it comes to Scripture. Somebody once said that if, there, that if everybody in this country opened their Bible at the same time, we would have the greatest dust storm ever seen because we don't actually read the Bible. So today, let's, let's look at God's heart regarding us being reawakened to a fresh stirring. And the title of our message is simply, Bring Back the Bible. Bring Back the Bible. Or I'm sorry, Bring the Bible Back, sorry. Got it mixed up. So here again, here we are in Nehemiah 8. The walls have just been built. It's all done. The breaches are fixed. All the leaders are appointed. But the thing is, is that's not enough. These people behind the wall now needed something spiritual to encourage them, something spiritual to anchor them. And realize, too, that a lot of these people in Jerusalem at that time, right, they, they had never heard the Bible, the Word of God preached to them. They've never had anybody do that because they were in captivity. A lot of them were born into captivity. And, and when they left Babylon to come back to Jerusalem to be, start building the temple and the city, they had never really had an opportunity to engage God's word before. And so they came back and they built the temple. They built their homes. They built the wall. And we're going to pick up in verse 1. Now all the people gathered together as one. One man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Now, something about the seventh month is... is, um, it had a great like, kind of a spiritual significance to Israel because this was the month of festivals. Okay? You had the festivals of the tabernacle, the trumpets, uh, the atonement. I think also I, I read somewhere that it was also kind of the first, uh, almost like New Year's Day type of thing. And so it was very significant that this took place during that time. Verse 3, then he read from it uh, in the open square that was in front of the water gate from the morning until mid- midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on the platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose. For that, for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood, uh, now I'm going to butcher the name, so just a bunch of guys, okay? All right? And then at the left, left hand side, a bunch of guys, okay? Verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, okay? So here, got the picture? Everyone gathered, everyone who, who lived in Jerusalem at that time, they all gathered and they built this like little stand, this preaching stand for, for Ezra to proclaim the word of the Lord. And so Ezra gets up and he opens up the scripture before him, before them all. And it says, let me read it again, verse five, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen! Amen! While lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord and with their faces to the ground. Again, all these guys. And the Levites, I can say that one, right? Says, help the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place 
So they read distinctly from the book in the law, uh, um, book in the law of God, and they gave gave the sense and helped them understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the the governor, Ezra, the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, "This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they had heard the words of the of the of the law." Um, now, in one passage, I, I, I'm going to just share this real quick. In one passage, it actually talks about that um, they read it from daylight, the morning, until the afternoon, to midday. Think about that. We get upset when church goes an hour or an hour and a half. Man, pastor, he's taught. Oh, gosh, he's, you know. Here they are, and they are very much like, hey, we want to hear. Not only that, blows me away. They stood the whole time. Didn't say, oh man, we're going to go sit down, but they stood. They were hungry. They were passionate about what God's word had to say. So here, 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 here these people are, they, they just, I think they just had a great heart for God, right? And I think where that happened was, I think it was birthed out of all the opposition and the affliction and the reproach that they had faced and suffered from their enemies, but they always saw God come through. Every single time, people would come to try to discourage them from building, try to um, you know uh, uh, get them off track, all of these things. But every single time, every every opportunity, God showed up and provided for them. And I think that really gave them such an assurance and understanding that you know what, we need God in our life. We really do. And I think in some ways that should be something that we recognize, because every day we encounter. All kinds of stuff, whatever it is that you may encounter, whatever and stuff that you may find, whether it's it's great or it's it's maybe not so great, every single one of us needs God in our lives. We need to have utter dependence upon Him in everything. So again, they all came together as it says one man to one location, and then they requested Ezra the scribe, right? A man who had given himself to study the word, to understand the word, to teach the word. Um, go to, in Ezra 7, it talks about what Ezra would do. And, and, and so they wanted him to bring the law of Moses, which God had given to Israel. And so I feel like, so by this request then, man, you can see they had a desire to hear God's word. They had a genuine hunger to hear God's word. Now, that opens up kind of a, a, a little bit of a, 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 a thought process is how hungry do we get to hear God's word individually, right? Because, yeah, it's there, it's available, I can pick it up anytime I want, but do we, have we really gotten to a point in our lives where we say, you know what, I need God's word, I hunger for it. And I, I've heard other pastors say this, but you know what, the more you read it, the more you get hungry for it. See, oftentimes people think, well, Lord, Help me to get hungry for your word, to read your word. And then we wait. And that hunger doesn't necessarily come. But if we were to open his word and start getting in his word, then I'll tell you what, the hunger starts to come. Right? You don't get full. It's like, no, I need more of it. 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 Because that's how it works. Remember, we live in an upside-down kingdom. And so that's, that's something that we have to be aware of. 
Okay? But I thought what was interesting too, it was so cool that the fact that these people were the ones that went to Ezra and said, hey, you do it for it. Oh, you open the law, book of the law for us. It wasn't him having to go after them. It wasn't him having to you know, call them up. Hey, are you going to come to church to hear God's word? Are you going to come to church? I haven't seen you in a while. It was the fact that, you know what, they were so hungry just to be in God's presence and, and hear God's word that they decided, hey, you know what, Ezra, come bring it to us. Come bring it to us. And so he puts it out there, right? And then oh, one more thing before I go farther. Notice, too, it said that anybody who had understanding to hear. Okay, so it said the men were there, the women were there, and then anybody who had understanding to hear. So to me, that means this was kind of a family affair. That, that I think kids, the kids that could understand were there as well. Because as usual, the church is not, you know, it's not just for adults. It's for everyone. And kids are anointed. They are called by God at the age that they are. Right? There's no junior Holy Spirit. And so as Ezra is talking, man, the kids were taking this in. This was a family um, event that was going on. All right? So he reads the law. And before he does that, he, he blesses the Lord. And what happens? The people offered up a hearty, amen, amen, to his blessing. And then they bowed their heads and worshiped God with their faces towards the ground. What were they doing? They were giving reverence to God's word. They were giving reverence to the reading of God's word. And then, as I said, they, he opened it up and started to read, and people stood up. They had this profound respect. And then in Ezra 8, uh, 3, and then verses 7 and 8 as well, seems to indicate that there was more than just careful reading of God's word going on that day. But there was actually gifted teachers that were set up, that were present to explain the meaning of, the, of what he was reading. So it, the picture is, is that at certain times they would stop reading and those who, who were gifted teachers or people who I have understanding of the word of God would begin to then go out and begin to tell, talk to people. Kind of the idea of what small groups are or community groups are. To sit and begin to explain in, in, a, in a groups of people, this is what the scripture is talking about. This is, this is so important, right? That we understand that, you know, in the body of Christ, God has given us an ability to connect with other people to explain Scripture. But see, if we don't know Scripture, then it's really kind of hard for us to explain it, right? We kind of get lost. We stumble. We kind of, ah, I don't know. But, but if we would have a heart towards Scripture, then when we have opportunity, then we can engage with people to give them understanding of the scripture. So here they were. They were they were in these small groups, divided off. They would begin to give them understanding so that the people could absorb it and begin to have understanding and stuff. And then what would happen right after that? They go back into reading more. See, it was kind of all like by design almost. I love it. Because that just shows I can sit up here and I can go da la la, you know, to say, you know, everything that I can from here. But really, sometimes what it takes is the Holy Spirit to bring it to light to you, but then it's great to have other people that you are in community with 
to begin to share. Man, this is what God's speaking to me about that. This is what God's saying to me about that. He really wants me to understand. He really wants me to process it. He really wants me to, to kind of figure this out. And, and sometimes, man, what the great thing about it is sometimes when you are with another person or you're in a group or whatever, the Holy Spirit might drop something inside and you say, oh yeah, you know what? I had something like that happen. Or man, yeah, God's been kind of talking to me about that too. And then all of a sudden this interaction begins to happen. And all of a sudden now you're weaving hearts together. But not only that, it's giving each other understanding of what God has to say, what his word has to say. It's, it's really a, a beautiful moment. It really is. When the light bulb turns on sometimes and you're like, ah, oh, I get it now. All right, that totally, totally makes sense. So then not only were they doing that, then they were also telling them, hey, I want you to, you got to practically apply the law. Practically apply it. So it says in there that they began to weep and mourn, but then they also told them, hey, don't weep and mourn, right? But what you need to do is you need to feast and celebrate. So we can kind of see in this sacred assembly where God, or, or they, they, they're, they're all coming back together, but God's, where God wants God's people to come back to him. Back to walking in his ways, back to honoring him, back to worshiping him. But it all started with what? The word of God. It all started with the word of God. Bringing the Bible back into their lives and into their community. That's where it started. Now, you might say, hey, well, you know what? I have not left the word. I have not left the word of God. And then there might be some that say, well, I've drifted from reading my word or, or the word of God. And then there's others that says, well, honestly, I've never given myself to the word of God at all. Right? But see, that's the dynamic of a Sunday morning, of a sacred assembly. Because you've got all kinds of people at all kinds of different levels. Right? But, but, but understand, there, there, there is not judgment to be given. What it is, is for us to come together as a community and be able to recognize people are at different levels in their walk with Jesus. And you know what? Our goal is to help each person grow in that level. So if you're on the first rung of the ladder, then you know what? I want to help get you to the second rung of the ladder. Then the third rung of the ladder. If you're on the fifth rung of the ladder, let's go to the sixth. You know what I'm talking about? But see, it, it sometimes takes a, a body of believers coming together in community to help one another grow. And, that, and that's, that's God's heart. That's what he wants to use us to be able to do that. And so I think just like in this, this passage of Scripture, God is calling all of us as a church really to step into three spiritual kind of reformations regarding the word, okay? So let me give you the first one, right? You must give yourself freshly and fully to the word of God. You must give yourself freshly and fully to the word of God. Again, Nehemiah 8, and then we'll hit verse 3. I'm skipping over verse 2. It says, now all the people gathered together, Right? Kind of like today. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. Then he read it in the open square from morning until midday before the men and women 
and those who could understand. And now listen, here's the key point. He says, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. They made a choice to listen. They made a choice to hear. What is the book of the law saying? Now, it's easy, I think anyways, but it's easy. And if we're not careful to be around the Word of God so much, right, that we automatically think, well, man, I've been going to church forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I heard God's Word growing up as a kid. So, man, you know what? I got it all dialed in. Do you, though? Right? Because you know what? God's Word, and we'll get to it in a minute, but God's Word is, is, is living Powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. So what you might read at one point or hear at one point might not apply to you, but you know what? You might go a year later and you listen to the same exact thing and it applies to you. That's because God's word is living and active. And so sometimes we, I, I find people, or they find me, I don't know how it works, okay? But they, sit, they feel like since they've been in church forever and they've heard and they've heard millions of sermons and they've, and, and they've experienced the word at home, that they've got it in, all dialed in. But then when you look at their lives practically, it is far away from God. And then sometimes you've got those who say, well, no, man, I, I have studied the word of God. I feel like I arrived at a maturity level, and I really don't need to grow any further. I'm good. But see, we have to realize that in both scenarios, Man, we can become apathetic towards the scripture because we could say, well, I've arrived. I'm all good. I'm on top of the ladder when it comes to God's word. But again, like I said, it's, it's always doing a refining in us. God's word is always refining in us. Like I said, there are times when you can read it, doesn't, it just doesn't, you know, nothing kind of talks to you. And then there's another time, maybe three days later, again, you could talk, read that same thing, and man, Holy Spirit's all over it. And he's like, hey, pay attention. I want you to recognize this. This is something in your life. But see, we can become just so like, uh, okay, you know, we know the word, we read the word, right? We come to church. But what happens is, you know what? We, we, can, get, um, we can get to this place where we just feel like, you know what? Scriptures don't necessarily apply to us like they used to, right? Where we, where we kind of um, fudge the lines. If I say, I've given this illustration before, but um, how many have ever watched baseball before? Okay, how many have ever played baseball before or softball or anything like that? Okay, so what happens is the guy gets in the batter's box. What does he do? He starts doing this. And then also what he tries to do is you'll notice he kind of like tries to wipe out the line right there. So he can move a little farther back or not quite in the batter's box. And he's erasing the lines. Sometimes what happens is when we get this kind of apathy towards Scripture, we become that. Where we're just kind of covering the line. Ah, this time it's not going to matter. God's gracious. God's good. Yeah, I know I'm not supposed to do that, but hey, you know. And, and, and we can't be people like doing that. And then what happens is we have some spiritual knowledge, but then we kind of blend it in with uh, earthly knowledge, worldly wisdom, 
right? And the Bible says that does not mix at all. Let me give you an example. Colossians 2.8 says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Where are you going to get them from Christ? Right here. 99% of the time you're going to get it from, this, from the Word of God. Right? Then he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 3.19, it says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. See, we can't blend this worldly wisdom with God's Word because they don't mix at all. And in order for us to get out of the habit of doing that, what we need to do then is to cultivate a hunger to read God's Word, to listen to God's Word, to fill ourselves with God's Word daily. And how do you do that? You make time for it. Schedule yourself. If you're an appointment person, then start scheduling yourself an appointment with God every single day. Because some people just need that. Put in my phone. I got an appointment with God. It's from such and such time to such and such time. Other people, no, I don't need that. But I need to kind of focus on the fact that I need to make time for God. Because God wants us to be people of his word. And then not only are we making time for it, but we're also kind of, we're, we're applying it. Okay? Because this book is living. It's, it's breathing. It's, it's the word of God. It's this this inspired um, by the Spirit. It's empowered by the Spirit. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between the joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So the Word of God exposes and opens our life in order to what? Change us? and transform us for this great work we've been talking about. About us engaging, about us being involved and engaged no matter where we're at in our relationship with Jesus. God has a plan for you to, to be involved. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All Scripture, not just some, but all, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Have you ever read Scripture and thought, oh yeah, that, that's wrong in my life? See, that's what God's Word is, is supposed to do. But see, sometimes we run from it because we don't want it to tell us what is wrong in our lives, what maybe we have blurred the lines on. But it says it corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And that's something, man, I just love when I read in Acts chapter 2 about the early church. Because the early church, right, was, was living this great work we're talking about. In Acts chapter 2, it talks about how they were going and they were um, listening to the apostles' doctrine. Or they were listening to the apostles' teaching. Right? The Word of God. They were putting that into practice. And then you can see they were like, you know, um, they had all things in common. It goes on to say in Acts chapter 2. They, had, um, they were like giving to one another, to those who had need. They were just loving people. 
They were doing a great work. And then along with that, I, I think probably too, in Joshua 1.8, it says, you know, that we're supposed to be meditating on the word of God, that we're not supposed to let the word of God depart from our mouth, but we're supposed to meditate on it. You know what that basically means? Is that you get a scripture, maybe for the day, and you just start reading it over and over day by day. Take, you know, write it on an index card, put it somewhere, put it in your car, put it at work, put it there, put it there, wherever it is. And every time you see it, just say it. Just read it. And what that is, is all of a sudden you start meditating on it. Like, what, what is that? What is that? What is God saying to me in that scripture? What is that? And I'm telling you, it works. Because the Holy Spirit will share with you. This is what it means. It's like the Holy Spirit being one of those guys that I couldn't name because I don't, can't say names very well. Right? But the Holy Spirit's one of those guys. Hey, let me explain it to you. Let me share it with you. Hey, you know what? Who would be a really good resource? Go, go talk to them as well. I mean, he does that as well. He gets people involved. But here, here they were. They, they, they basically made time for God's word, and it was a part of their everyday life. And so they were able then to, to do great, great works for the kingdom of God. So not only do we need to cultivate our hearts, a hunger to listen, right, and to receive God's word, um, but we also need to become those who, this is the second point, be diligent, diligently seek to understand the Word of God. That's the second point. Diligently seek to understand the Word of God. All right, Nehemiah 8, 7 through 8. Again, it's all these guys show up, and the Levites, they're, they're there to help the people to understand the law. And it said the people stood in place, so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave they gave the sense and helped them to understand their eating. Okay? So as the people took time to stop and hear. See, I hope every single time that you come to a local church, every single time you come to hear someone speak, that you are stopping and you are listening. That is just not to fill the time. That is not to, hey, I'm going to get the gold star today. I, 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 man, I, I, man, what are we having for lunch today? I'm getting hungry. No, but I, I pray that we would be a people that would stop and then say, hey, you know what? No, this is my undivided attention for the things of God today, for what the word of God has to say. But it says that the, and it gave them, gave the sense and helped them to understand. So they stopped and received God's word and they, and, and they were getting explanation from those people. And today, what we would, we would call those people kind of, like those kind of leaders are looked at as disciples or disciple makers. And one of the primary meanings of a disciple is to be a learner, right? You say, ah, oh, yeah, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Okay, are you learning something? Are you on a quest to learn more about Jesus? Are you on a quest to, to learn more about the kingdom of God and where, where, you, where you place yourself? Because that's what a disciple is. It's someone who is dedicated to learning and studying and growing in their understanding of God's word. And that is what each one of us has been set apart to be. Whether you know it or not, you are set apart to be a disciple. But the criteria is you've got to be learning and then understanding and then becoming faithful to Jesus's teachings. Then you know what you're supposed to do? Then go teach others. Yeah, go tell others. 
about who Jesus is. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32 says this. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So all of this, right, will help you help others to help them be set free from their stuff. It's going to set you free from your stuff because all of us in some way, shape, or form have stuff, whether it's little tiny stuff or it's big, gigantic stuff. doesn't matter, right? The Bible says this, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. So the little things in your life that are off kilter, that are not alignment with God's word, those things have, have a place and, and kind of can throw you off of what God's wanting to do in your life. But see, sometimes we think it's the big things. Well, man, it's, it's, it's only those big, huge sins or those big, huge, giant things in our lives that, that God really looked. No, he, he's even looking at the smallest, tiniest things. He's looking at those two and he says, you know what? I just want you to correct it. I just want you to change course. I want you to kind of get back to what my, my word says, what it, what it simply just means. And so he wants to set us free from our stuff, but then at the same time, he wants to have you help others be set free from their stuff, right? I mean, God could do it like this, but why does he then use people? Why did he use the disciples? Because he recognizes that there is value in relationship and that your relationship with people can help them discover who Jesus is. Help them discover who, what the word of God is, right? Help them understand what this love letter that God's written to every single person but see, it, has to, it only happens when we begin to really take the Bible seriously and begin to study the Word. This is what Paul tells Timothy. And really, guess what? It applies to you. So when, when I read it, I'm, I'm talking to you. He says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman who needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. See, an eager desire for the Word results in spiritual growth. See, oftentimes people kind of wonder, hey, you know what? Man, I have been a Christian forever, but I'm just not seeing any growth. Okay, how often are you in God's Word? How often are you even studying God's Word? When you come to church, are you really listening or are you just there because you need to be there? See, the more we, we start to apply God's word to our life and the more we begin to study God's word in our life, then the more we begin to grow spiritually. And if you feel stuck, then I, I just ask you to, to take a look and say, okay, how much time am I in the word? How much time am I spending with God in the word? So, because what happens is a lot of times, again, we can get very slothful in our approach to God's word. And when we're slothful, then we lack spiritual growth. They remain, as, as, right, we remain kind of as those described in this, this passage of the scripture in Hebrews chapter 5. It says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others, right? Contributing to the great work. Instead, that was my head, by the way. Instead, 
You need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training, right, understanding God's word, putting the time and the effort in, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Ouch, right? Shots fired. Basically, he's saying, hey, you know what? You have been a Christian so long, but you know what? You are making no progress in your spiritual growth. Why is that? Quite simply, it's getting back to God's word. Quite simply, it's like, okay, I need to begin to digest and understand, right? And and listen to me, there's no condemnation on it or anything like that. I mean, if you're still on kind of the, the milk of the word, then just recognize you can't stay there. You can't stay there. You got to keep moving forward, right? You should, right? You should be growing out of the sippy cup stage, right? Infants use the sippy cup, don't they? Yeah. Well, we should be looking at it and saying, okay, am I moving beyond a sippy cup and now beginning to eat more not regular meaty food? The reference is to God's word. Am I, can I digest, understand God's word in a deeper way? Yes, you can, but you're going to have to study. You're going to have to apply it. You're going to have to begin to take God's word seriously. And the Holy Spirit is so gracious. He comes right alongside you and he will help you. Find people that will help you in community. But man, it is so possible, so possible. And then that gives me to the last point here. Practically and purposely apply the word of God. Practically and purposely apply the word of God. So we need the book of God, we need the word of God back in our life. We need to begin to be intentional about actually reading it, getting into it, maybe even journaling, doing those things. And then we practically and purposely need to apply the word of God. Uh, again, Nehemiah, this is eight, uh, 9 through 12. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drink and share gifts of food with, uh, with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Do, uh, don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the, Levites, and the Levites, too, quieted the people, telling them, Hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away, and they applied what they said. The people went away to eat and drink at the festival meal and to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's word and they understood them. So we can see that reading and an explanation of the law had an incredible effect upon the people, right? And I'm just going to tell you this flat out. If you read God's word and it doesn't affect you in some way, then you, you got some kind of heart issue going on. You just do. And I don't know how else to put it there. But, but maybe it's coming to, to the word of God and being able to look at it and say, okay, um, help me 
understand, help me to, to know. I want to really open myself up like, like the people did in, the, in this story. So it says that they all wept when they heard the words of Scripture, and they were basically what they were, they were cut to the heart. I don't know if you remember in Acts chapter 2, um, where Peter got up and gave this big sermon, right? And, and people, people heard it, and they heard about Jesus and how Jesus died on the cross and all that. And, and in, in, in Acts chapter 2, it says the people were cut to the heart because they heard the word, right? They, they, they recognized their sin. And they said, what must we do to be saved? See, God's word is supposed to have that kind of effect on us. It's supposed to cut us to the heart. When we read scripture and you read and you think, oh, I, I remember one time uh, way back, I think I was still in high school and uh, I had shingles. Yeah, joy for that, right? And I had shingles. And I remember sitting in my room reading, I don't even know what I was reading, but I think it was in Proverbs. And I was reading a, a, a chapter of Proverbs. And I'm telling you, there was something that was cutting me to the heart. Even in high school, it was just like, oh my gosh, I, I am, I am I'm trash. I'm just terrible. I'm a, I'm a bad person, Lord. Please forgive me. But see, that's, that's what the Word of God can do, right? It can cut, cut us to a point where, man, we recognize that we are in need of a Savior. We are in need of, of a Savior to come and to, to, to wrap His arms around us, to forgive us of our sin, to help us you know, move forward. And so... In all of this weeping, which was great, because I think that, you know, they, obviously they were being cut to the heart. The people then, I mean, the, the Ezra, Nehemiah and the elders and the, and the leaders, they, they told the people, instead of mourning and weeping and being led by your emotions, because really that's kind of what got them in the mess to begin with. How many have ever been led by your emotions and found out that wasn't really a great job, right? Okay, they were kind of led by their emotions because, you know, what brought them into captivity is they basically rejected God. And they were following what was going along with the Babylonian people. And they were, following, they were doing their, uh, well, that was before Babylon. But they were doing, doing things that, that just were not godly. And they were letting their emotions kind of dictate and, and, and stuff. And so here they are. They, they, they've gotten into this thing. They neglected God. They were disobedient. They got put into captivity. And again, you could say we need to be careful because you know what? We can vacillate back and forth between obedience and um, our disobedience. And so, what, I guess, what do I mean by that? Um, real quick. What I mean by that is sometimes when we're feeling great and life is good, we're kind of easy, right, on the, on the purpose and the practical obedience where we kind of, again, like I talked about a little bit earlier, we kind of kind of um, think, man, oh, well, grace will cover that. God's grace will cover that. I can fudge a little bit here. I can fudge a little bit there. God's grace will cover it, right? Because life's good. Nothing's wrong. But as soon as something goes wrong, what happens? A lot of times, that's when we jump in and we're like, okay, God, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have this purposeful obedience. I'm going to try, you know, try to stick you know, to, to what you said. And man, I'm really hoping that you'll come through for me, right? They're hoping you know, kind of that you know, Jesus comes swooping in and saves the day. But see, we can't, can't, can't live that way. 
Because God's heart for you is that he, he seriously wants you to live purposely and practically applying God's word every day. He just does. But you can't apply it if you don't know it. Right? I mean, you know, guys, we're, we're geniuses at the fact that we don't want to read directions when we build things. Right? Because we think, I got this. But you got to read the Ikea ones, right? Because, man, they don't make any... It's, yeah, I don't understand. But, but we're kind of good at that sometimes. Where we just think, no, I, I got it. But, but see, sometimes we just need to go back to the owner's manual. And say, okay, what do, I, what do I need to do? How do I live this out practically? How do I put this into place? How do I, how do I become unwavering in, in, in every season, in every circumstance? When it comes to, to God's word, instead of maybe being led by emotions. Well, let me give you one last scripture. Russ, if you want to kind of come up. Um, and this is what Pastor James, right? In the book of James, he encourages us by saying this. You probably heard this thousands of times, but hear it with new, new, new ears. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do it, do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, that's God's word, and it says, that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard then God will bless you for doing it. So he's simply saying, hey, you must do what God's word says. If we're going to bring the Bible back into our lives, we got to be people who are committed to be Bible people. We got to be people that believe the Bible. We got to be people that read the Bible. We got to be people that study the Bible. We got to be people that live the Bible. Right? Because when we do and we bring that into an equation of our lives, then we have the ability to enhance our ability to do a great work in the body of Christ, in the local community, in the local church. But see, when we forget God's word, the instruction manuals, how to prioritize people, how to love people, then, man, we're doing it all in our flesh and we'll get frustrated and we'll get angry and we'll get mad and we'll say, forget that. I ain't never going back there. I'm never doing that or whatever. But see, God, that's not God's heart. God calls people to a local church to be engaged, to be involved, to be part of the great work that he's wanting to do on the earth. That's why there's so many churches. Right? With one purpose. We have one purpose is to glorify Jesus, but also to minister to others. And so we've got to bring the Bible back into our life if you've let it slip. Okay? If you haven't let it slip, then I encourage you, keep going deeper. Keep going deeper. And if you've never tried it, then man, I just say try it. Just give it a try. Jump in. Start at John. It's always the simplest place to start. Just start there. Start reading about who this Jesus character is. He's not a character, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, but start, start just opening your ears and, and eyes. 
or in your heart. But when you come to the sacred assembly, okay, come as those people. Be ready. Be ready. I'm, I'm here to receive the word. Let me hear what you want to speak to me today because he'll speak something different to every single one of us. He speaks to me while I'm up here sometimes and I'm like, ooh, ouch, but I don't try to tell, tell you that. Um, but, it, but, but it's just getting back to Bible basics. So if you do, do, do me a favor, bow your heads and I, I will pray real quick for you. Oh, Jesus, you're so good. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence in this house today. Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us what you want us to hear and know as we leave today and throughout this week. You have specific words to talk to each one of us about. And I pray that we would have ears to hear, hearts that are open to be able to just spend time with you in your word, in your presence. And that you lovingly would allow us to hear it, not in a judgmental way, but in a way that encourages us to grow deeper and deeper with you. And so we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Help us to get back to the Bible. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.